Life is full of challenges. With an unpredictable economy and just as surprising life changes, you need to be prepared to weather any storm. Elder law and estate planning attorney Kevin Tharp and financial advisor Gary Anderson are available to help you with life's difficult decisions. This is Truth in Planning. The Law of Gravity and Estate Planning. I'm Kevin Tharp, Elder Law and Estate Planning Attorney. And I'm Gary Anderson, Financial Advisor, Anderson Advisors. That sounds like two things that don't really go together. Like Pepsi and Kevin, those things just don't go together, right? Those things don't mix. Well, it actually, there is a commonality between the law of gravity and estate planning. And I use this analogy all the time when I'm talking with clients about estate planning, especially when I talk about these legal principles to having a complete estate plan. Gary, there is a legal definition for a complete estate plan. It is a legal concept that you have a complete estate plan. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't have a complete estate plan, but they think they do. So what is the definition of a complete estate plan? And why is it that most people don't have a complete estate plan? Well, the definition of a complete estate plan is this, Gary. It's putting two things together. It's putting, first, putting your wishes about what you want to happen, first of all, when you die, in a legal document. And then the second step, and this is the most important step, And this is the step that is oftentimes is missing from your estate plan. And that is titling your assets in coordination with your document. And this is where the law of gravity now enters into the comparison. Because, see, people think they've done estate planning because they put their wishes in a document. Many people have gone to see an attorney and have paid that attorney money or fees to prepare that le- this legal document called a will. When I die, I want to leave everything to my spouse. When we both die, we want to leave everything to our children. If something happens to our children, we want to leave it to their children, our grandchildren. Whatever your wishes are, people think, okay, I've taken care of it. A lot of times you hear people take care of that step because they realize that's one step they haven't done and they're getting ready to go on a two-week trip or a two-week cruise to Alaska or something. And they, oh, before we go out of town, we got to get this taken care of when we're leaving on Tuesday and they'll give me a call on Monday morning. Well, let me just sign something and let's just get something in place so that way if something were to happen. And part of me is thinking... If you thought you were going to die on this trip, on this Alaskan cruise, you probably wouldn't be going, would you? you? Why are you going? (laughs) Exactly. Yet that's very, very often we get calls and I get calls uh, from radio listeners and they will call me and say, well, I need to get this done by so-and-so time because I'm getting ready to go on a trip and I figured it's in March and hey, you know, we're going in, in June. So that's plenty enough time to get this document done. So how much for a will? Because people are thinking they've done their estate planning because they have a document. And I'll be honest with you, Gary, as an industry, attorneys perpetuate that myth. Because any attorney can do a will for you. That attorney may or may not be an estate planning attorney. And Gary, there are many attorneys who specialize in estate planning that what they recommend is a will. 
because that's what they were trained on. I can tell you as a law student, that's what I was told in my wills and estates course. First question the professor asks is, uh, if a client comes to you and says, what's going to happen to my assets when I die, what would be your answer? And every hand in the room shot up, including mine. And my response was, give them a will. You know what the professor said? You're going to make a good lawyer. <laughs> We're trained that documents solve everything. But Gary, over 35 years of professional experience, as well as personal experience, has taught me that a will is not a complete plan. And it's not a complete plan because it's missing title. And that's how important title is. So the law of title says when you die, that's what's going to determine what happens, not your document. And so the law of title is like the law of gravity. Well, you know, when we went to see our lawyer recently and had our will updated, he or she never talked about title. Doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. Doesn't mean the law of title is not going to apply. Well, they said that doesn't matter. The most important thing is the document. Okay. Law of title is like the law of gravity. You can ignore it. You can dance around it. You can say it doesn't apply to me or I'm going to do something else to get around it. But if you get on top of this building and you jump off, the law of gravity says one thing for sure. You are going to hit the ground. Well, this is the same thing in estate planning. The law of title says when you die, it's how your assets are titled that will dictate what happens. And you can't title your assets in the name of a will. So when you die, your plan is not complete. And therefore, your family has to go through probate. If a will was a complete estate plan, Gary, we wouldn't need probate. You're listening to Truth in Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, and my co-host, Kevin Tharp, estate planning and elder law attorney today, is talking about the law of gravity and estate planning. And like you say, Kevin, that sounds like two different things. And I think what, from what I've experienced through the years, people tend to want to believe something, really, whether it might work or not. And sometimes they ignore the basic truths that come with estate planning. And you're very good at explaining the difference in doing this the right way, doing estate planning the right way, and the wrong way, and pointing out that there are certain laws that apply no matter what we believe. Exactly. And Gary, it's not that a will, anything wrong with a will. It's just a will is not a complete plan. It's not going to do everything that you think it's going to do or you're led to believe that it's going to do. And again, as I said earlier, if a will was all you needed, regardless of how ironclad the will is, a will will have nothing to do with your retirement account if you've named a beneficiary, like your spouse or your kids or your grandkids. The will will have nothing to do with that. The will will have absolutely nothing to do with that. And I've seen in many cases where people have titled themselves out of a document. They spend money to have this simple will, as they call it, 
I've seen people that have spent a lot of money on having a very complex tax saving will with all these specific wishes. I've seen people who have a will that provides and sets up a trust for their surviving spouse or a disabled child or grandchild to protect government benefits. We call it a special needs trust. And not a single asset goes into that trust because they've titled things in contradiction to their document. You can't name your will as a beneficiary of your retirement account. So here's the million-dollar question. If you have a trust set up for your minor children or your surviving spouse because you know they're incapacitated or you have a special needs child and your biggest asset is your retirement account, how's that retirement account money going to get in that trust you set up in your will? You can't do the two. Mm -hmm. They're not coordinated together, and therefore your plan is not complete. So that's why we like using a revocable trust, because whatever your wishes are about what you want to happen when you die, a trust is a legal document that you set up while you're living so you can title things in coordination with that trust right now while you're living. And because it's a revocable trust, you keep and retain ownership during your lifetime. And when you die, if your trust is the beneficiary of your retirement account or your life insurance, that money goes in the trust and it funds all of your wishes. And because you have a complete estate plan when you die, your family doesn't have to go through probate, protection number one. And you know that your beneficiaries are taken care of, provided for, and protected, regardless of what your individual beneficiary situation may be. So a trust is, by definition, a complete estate plan. And now you've got your estate planning, the law of title, and the law of gravity are now coordinated together. Kevin, if people want a complete estate plan, how do they get in touch with you? Gary, the best way is through my website, kevintharp.com. Next up, red, yellow, blue. What color is your money? yellow or blue what color is your retirement money i'm gary anderson financial advisor anderson advisors and i'm kevin tharp elder law and estate planning attorney kevin last week i talked about diversifying your portfolio true diversification of your portfolio and one thing i talked about was a a diversified portfolio is just not owning 10 stocks in 10 different segments or 10 different industries that is not a diversified portfolio. You have way too much risk when you own so few stocks, so few investments, and you're exposing yourself totally with that one company, no matter what industry is in, companies can have problems too, even though their industry is not having problems. As you said, not putting all your investments in one basket. Right. And a lot of people over the years emotionally or just just by pure proximity, have invested in certain things just because they know the company. The company's from around where they are. For instance, Home Depot. 
Coca-Cola, things like that, which have always been good stocks and good companies, but to own just one of those things puts you at an amazing amount of risk because we know what happens with, a, for instance, a Home Depot stock when home building slows down. So you're, when you, that's a, probably a really good example of why we diversify our portfolios. But one, another thing I talked about last week, too, was vertical diversification versus horizontal. The traditional diversification of portfolios is horizontal. You're invested in some market-based investments, some stock market-based investments. And yeah, you may have a very, very good diversification of your portfolio. You may have in different companies, different sectors, different segments. You've done a good job spreading the risk factors out with your portfolio that way but you're still in the stock market and you're still exposed to whatever happens to that stock market. And I'm a firm believer in in investing in stocks and investing in funds. I'm a firm believer in that because I know that that gives us growth that we experience through the years that we're investing. As we approach the retirement years, growth becomes really less important. It's nice to have decent growth. We want to continue that. But let's focus on making sure, too, that those assets are going to be there for whatever is going on in the economy, politically, whatever the markets are. Anything, that money will still be there for you so you can enjoy your lifestyle in retirement. And so I like to equate this to colors. And we have three different, really, categories when it comes to your retirement accounts. Liquidity, growth, and preservation. That's pretty much it. So I like to equate colors with these three different categories. And the first one, growth. Well, we'll call that red. Because with growth, we're invested in things that will help our portfolio get get really have some very, very good gains over the years. And we want to make sure we have things in that category. A lot of times we want to balance the growth out as we go through our retirement years, as we're approaching retirement to maybe focus on a little less growth and a little more preservation, a little more liquidity. Now, one thing about things in the market, growth in particular, uh, there's also some good liquidity there, too. So sometimes these things overlap. But liquidity is important, and I equate that with the color yellow because you have to have money that you can easily get to. Now, when I look at liquidity... You know, some of the things that, as far as liquidity goes, that we can look at, the types of investments we can have are cash, bank and credit, union savings account, and money market accounts. See, those are, those are investments or places we have our money that's totally liquid. We can use that money anytime we want to. We can just write a check for it and get whatever we need. We always have to have a place for that in our portfolio. There has to be liquidity so we can take care of paying bills, making sure people we're paying people for what they do for us in in this world. So liquidity is important. We equate that with, naturally, the color yellow. It's like I'm a neutral thing there that we're actually protecting assets because we don't have a lot of risk involved with it, but we have total liquidity. This is part of the plan. And then we get to preservation as well. And, Kevin, preservation I'll cover in just a second. But preservation is very important. Why? Well, if you're headed towards retirement or you're in retirement, preservation becomes a much, much, much more 
greater concept and much more viable concept for you. We're talking about what color are your investments today on truth and planning. And I'm with my co-host, Gary Anderson, financial advisor of Anderson Advisors. And Gary, I know I talk with clients and their families all the time. And one of the things that I recommend uh, to them is, especially as they're older, is be less concerned about growth and more about liquidity because there are going to be some bills coming up like long-term care expenses Mm -hmm. that you need to be liquid more than you need to be invested for growth. And I'm not saying there's you, you 100% either way, right. but I think from as an elder law attorney, I know I see people need liquidity, and so that's a good color to have as a part of your overall balance. Right. The liquidity, too, Kevin, sometimes you've made a good point there. Sometimes things do overlap. Sometimes there's oranges and purples in your portfolio. They just kind of serve two different purposes, at least partially. But yes, liquidity is important. That's your everyday expenses, potentially, and anything that you need to buy for you, your family, the things that are important to you, you have to have cash to be able to pay for these things. And by cash, I mean bank accounts, things like that. Certificates of deposit, uh, government-based assets, those are more preservation-oriented. But then your bank accounts that are really liquid are your checking account and your money market, basically. That's what you're looking at there. So that should be a part of your portfolio. You shouldn't discount that too much. Don't have too much in your portfolio that's actually more towards the growth area than you have liquidity, especially as you're going into retirement. The other area, too, is preservation. And these are the things, like I was talking about before, could be life insurance-backed products, could be annuities, could be government-based bonds, could be certificates of deposit uh, that that you get at the bank. Those are things that we can pretty much be assured that the value of the account is not going to change a whole lot. It's pretty solid, sound investments. So sometimes in that preservation category, we're trying to preserve these assets not only for us, but for even future generations. A lot of times we want to make sure we have the right balance between this and all the other aspects of the portfolio, all these other categories. It needs to be really from a growth perspective Growth is more important in the earlier years. In the later years, it becomes less important. You actually want liquidity and more more preservation as you reach the retirement years and you're going through the retirement years. Although, like you said, Kevin, you can still have a balance of all three of those things, but the weighting of it changes. You have less in one area than you do in others as you grow, through, get to your retirement years or you're in your, your retirement years versus what you had back in the years where you were accumulating a lot of money in your 401k, well, that was just pure growth. That's all you were concerned about then. You were getting a paycheck, so you weren't having to use these the money in savings and the long-term savings accounts that you have, like your 401k, because that's future expenses, future things that you're going to do with your retirement. So you have that, and you're weighted more in that because you can be. You don't need the money, nor are you going to use it. And as a matter of fact, when it comes to a 401k and a lot of IRAs too, we always have to, they're they're designed for you to have to wait for that money because really 59 and a half, you're penalized tax-wise if you start taking money out of your retirement accounts, your 401ks, your IRAs prior to 59 and a half, you're going to hit to have tax penalties. So we're being encouraged 
to save that money and save it during our working years till we get to the time we retire, and then we want to get more conservative. Gary, I know our listeners would like to have a greater, bigger conversation about what color are their investments and that balance. How can they have that conversation with you? And Kevin, right now people are probably looking at their portfolios or saying, well, this is this red, yellow, or blue? Which one is it? Well, this is something we can help you with and make sure that it's put in the right places and put in proportion. They can call us at Anderson Advisors, 888-371-2847. Coming up, we're going to talk about some things you can do for your kids. Some things you can do for your kids. I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. And I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. Gary, for this segment, I'm going to kind of switch views, and I'm going to talk to our listeners out there uh, from the viewpoint of a child and some things that I've learned as an estate planning and elder law attorney, some things that as a parent we can do for our kids. Now, I will tell you, there's a lot of things that my parents did for me over the years, but I think there's a couple of things they did for me that you can't put a price tag on. I know that my parents, uh, especially my dad, left me, uh, and this is the planning that sometimes you hear in estate planning, people call it legacy planning and leaving a legacy. Well, I can tell you one legacy that my parents left me, especially my dad, was the legacy of a good name. There is a lot behind that Tharp name. There's a lot behind the Anderson name. And our parents did a lot to protect and preserve that name. And a lot of that behind the Tharp name is another legacy my parents left me that you can't put a price tag on it is um, my dad was a very generous person. My parents were very generous people. Um, and they did a lot for others as well as their family. Obviously, they did a lot for my brothers and I over the years, like you said. Many things we didn't even know until later on after they passed and learned a lot of things that they did as parents. And I know as a parent, that's uh, Missy and I are the same way. We just do a lot of things for our children. Um, and the biggest legacy that my parents left me is um, they love me. I knew that my mom and dad loved me uh, in simple ways that they showed it. My parents showed up. My parents were there for a lot of things. Uh, now, they weren't able to be there for a lot of things later on in life because health prevented that. And there was a distance between where they lived and where I lived. But they still tried to show up the best that they possibly could, that their health and time allowed. But they always showed up. And, you know, my dad left a legacy of he was generous in the fact that because he loved my brothers and I, he showed up, he came home. There are a lot of people and a lot of families that they're, what the legacy they were left, their children was they left home and never came back. I know a lot of people whose fathers left home and never came back. Or if they were at home, they were absent fathers. They were focusing on other things. They worked 80 hours a week. And when they came home, there was no time for anybody else. There was no time for the kids, but that's not the way my parents were. They were very involved in our lives, and they showed us they loved us because they were involved. 
But I know some things that my dad did for us and other parents have done for their children from a legal standpoint. Here are some things that you can leave your kids. Because I've seen this in my 35 plus years as an estate planning attorney and as an elder law attorney, I've seen one thing very consistent. Most parents want to leave something for their children. Their parents did it for them, or maybe their parents didn't do it for them, and they said, I'm not going to repeat that. I'm going to leave something to my children. When they become grandparents, a lot of grandparents shift that focus, and sometimes, like my mom and dad, they say, we're going to skip the kids and go and do something for the grandkids, or great-grandkids, man, even more so. So... Here are some things that you can do from a legal standpoint for your children because you want to leave something for them. You want to leave them better off in a better situation than you were in. So number one, here's something that you can do for your kids. Leave them an inheritance, but leave it to them through a trust. If you leave your kids something, and it could be a small inheritance like what my dad left us because what he had to use during his lifetime left very little at the end. And that's okay if it was a little because my life uh, isn't going to change because of the inheritance my parents left me, but they really worked hard because they wanted to make sure they left my brothers and I and our children and our grandchildren something behind. It might have been a piece of jewelry. It might have been something monetarily. The things that my parents left me couldn't put a price tag on. They were priceless, but they still wanted to do something for us monetarily. So if you're going to leave your kids an inheritance, do it through a trust. You're listening to Truth in Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors, and I'm here with my co-host, Kevin Tharp, estate planning and elder law attorney. And today, Kevin, we're talking about things that we can do for our kids. And I think you make a good point. We know your parents, my parents did a lot of wonderful things for us. And we took it for granted, I believe. I know I did. Yes. Until I became a parent and then I became a grandparent. And you realize, yeah, there's, there was a lot of things that they did that I didn't even know about. And my, we kind of do the same thing now for our kids. And uh, that's just the way it is. But if we can do something for our kids, I know the planning that we do is a vital, vital part of that. Exactly. And one of the things, like you said, that you hear your clients tell you the same they tell me, they want to do things for their kids. They want to, one thing they want to do is not only, they want to make things easier for their children, especially when something happens. They don't want to make their lives complicated when they pass away. It's hard enough to deal with the loss of a parent or grandparent and all the things that go along with that, but they really want to make things simpler for them. And one way I tell people that you can do that, make things easier and simpler for your children, is leave them things through a trust. Because one thing you do when you leave an inheritance to your children or grandchildren through a trust is it eliminates probate. Probate is a government court process that can complicate those things that you want to keep simple. It makes it private if you avoid probate, Whereas if you go through probate, things are public. It makes it more complicated if you have to wait weeks, months, or even longer to get a judge's permission before you can start using the stuff you leave your your kids, you leave your kids. 
So one thing that can make it easier is to leave them an inheritance through a trust. Why? Because a trust avoids probate. Now, while you're living, it's a revocable trust, so you don't give up ownership, but you can make sure that your kids have access to take care of you because most children, that is their primary concern. They're less concerned about what mom and dad are going to leave them than being able to help mom and dad while they're living. You know, if my dad spent every dime of his money, so when he died, he bounced a check to the funeral home, my brothers and I truthfully are okay with that, would have been okay with that. Because this is not our assets. This is not our money. This is a gift to us. And we're not entitled to that gift. We appreciate that gift. And we're going to take steps to make sure that we honor that gift. But we wanted to make sure that things were also simpler for us to take care of dad. And that's exactly what a revocable trust does because it allowed dad to keep ownership. He didn't have to worry about giving up ownership. And then he knew that we had access to take care of him. And when he died, that access continued. And it was a very simple process. And we didn't have to go through probate. But here's the second reason, and this is probably the biggest reason why years ago my dad and my parents switched from a will to a trust. My parents switched from having Kenny, Kevin, and Jeff as the beneficiary on their retirement account or life insurance policy, and that is when you leave your kids things through a trust, you know they are protected. You know that your surviving spouse is protected when you leave things through a trust. But when it comes time, so my dad's trust said split everything three ways when my wife and I are both gone. And that's what happened. Dad died last, and his trust said split everything three ways. But here's what else his trust said. I hope and pray and I wish that all three of my children survive me. But what happens if one of my children is in the middle of a divorce or bankruptcy or a lawsuit? Can their creditors, their divorcing spouse, get the inheritance I leave them? And the answer is no if you leave it to them through a trust. A trust protects your beneficiaries. So you want to do something for your kids? You want to leave them a legacy monetarily? Leave it to them through a trust because not only do they avoid probate, but the trust protects your children and grandchildren. Kevin, if I want to leave something for my kids and my grandkids as well, how do I get in touch with you? The best way is through my website, kevintharp.com. Is there a perfect investment? Coming up next. Is there a perfect investment? I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. And I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. Gary, I heard somebody said one time kind of like, is there a perfect church? And if there is, if you find it, don't join it because you're going to mess it up. (laughs) So if they're a perfect investment, you might not want to invest in it because you can mess it up. Well, that's true. Yeah. And and you can pretty much mess up anything if you set out to do it pretty, pretty convincingly. Um, but if I'm looking for the perfect investment, perfect investment, I'm looking for something that's, number one, completely guaranteed, 
Number two, doubling in size every few years. That's a great investment. And then also always accessible, always liquid. That would be the perfect investment. Does it exist? No, it does not. I can unequivocally say that it does not exist. And so what we have to do is come up with a balance as far as our investing goes to make sure we address all these things like the guarantees and the growth, the doubling in size every few years and being always accessible. Three different categories there, three different things that money has to do for us and it should be doing for us, but there's not one thing that does all those things for us. There's always a balance. There's always a trade-off. If we're looking at growth, well, naturally, um, we have more risk involved. We know we have more risk because we're, we're willing to take the risk to make things grow faster over the years. Like I said earlier, growing the growth of your investments happens primarily during the years you're saving money and accumulating money and investing that. For instance, with your 401k, that's the primary way that people invest and save for their retirement is through 401ks. That's the growth aspect. But it's not liquid. You can't just reach in there and grab all that money and go buy yourself a car with it. Sometimes people try, and sometimes people even can reach in and grab the money only to find out later their taxes are going to be pretty astronomical when they did that because they have tax penalties because they're taking the money too early. There are things built into these retirement plans to keep us from getting that money out, or at least to discourage us from getting that money out too early. But everything has its purpose. You have money in your savings accounts in the bank. You have money there that's guaranteed. One of the things I've run across occasionally with people is that a person will have so much money sitting in the bank sitting in a checking account or a savings account in the bank. They've accumulated maybe even hundreds of thousands of dollars, Kevin, in that bank account, in those bank accounts they have. And I'll ask them, well, why do you do this? One time I had a man tell me, well, I just might want to go buy something. Well, that was his, that was his idea of a perfect way to, a perfect reason to save money and hold money that way. But a lot of times people are waiting, they're holding all this money and I've run across this fairly often, holding this money to try to wait for the most ideal investment, the perfect investment to come around, and it never, ever happens. And if you keep that mindset, then you're losing money. Because if you've got money in accounts that are very, very liquid, for instance, checking accounts, savings, money markets, if they're very, very liquid, they aren't making any rate of return appreciably. And so your money is going backwards because the cost of everything continues to go up. The money that, you're, that you want to buy things with continues to be worth less if it is not growing for you. So we do have to have that growth aspect with our money, and we have to balance that with these other things, and the safety and the guarantees and the, um, the accessibility we have with it. There's a purpose for every bit of the money you have. There's always a, a purpose for every different bucket that you can keep it in. Another thing I run across, too, is kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum from this other individual I was telling you about who tends to save money and hold on to it and hold on to it in bank accounts, and it never grows any, but they're waiting for the perfect investment. 
The other person on the other end of the spectrum is trying to be too aggressive during their retirement years. And I'll get into that in just a minute. We're talking about the perfect investment. Does it actually exist? Or is it better to find the investment that has various balance? You got to balance. And I think the answer to that question is, like you said, find the investment that has the balance that deals different things because there's no such thing as the perfect investment. That's right, Kevin. And that's why you have a plan. That's why you want to put together a financial plan. It's fine that you have bank accounts. It's great that you have a 401k. You've got all these assets out there in these different places, but what you don't have is a plan to make sure that money works the way it should be for you. That's what a retirement plan is all about. You have your 401k. That's your employer's retirement plan. That's a savings plan. That is much, much different than having your own retirement financial plan. It takes into consideration all of these money, these investments and this money that you have in the different place in different places to come up with your ideal retirement. And there can be a perfect retirement, Kevin, or pretty close to it. Uh, there's always things that happen in life. We can't we can't avoid that. It's going to happen if we're on this earth long enough. But what we can do is be able to have a retirement that can do the things we always dreamed that we wanted to do, whether it's grandchildren, whether it's golf, whether it's fishing, whether it's charitable organizations, whatever you want to do, the plan needs to work towards that. The sooner you put that plan together, the more comfortable you're going to feel with how you're using the money over the years Number one, because you have a real good idea that you aren't going to run out of money if the plan is put together wrong. So you can live a long time on this earth, and that plan is still going to be there for you and make sure that your money's being managed in a way that, A, it takes care of you, takes care of you for your your lifestyle now, potential long-term care that you could have, and also helping take care of your loved ones, your kids, the people who you love and want to leave something to. All those things are possible if you put this plan together and you do it early enough on. And when I say early enough on, if you're in your 50s, it's time to start thinking about this retirement plan. You have the accounts. You've done well with saving it. Now let's go a step further and make sure these savings that you have, these accounts you have, are addressing what you want to do. But a lot of times people, in pure desperation or what they perceive as desperation, will have a lot of money sitting there that they're now trying to invest too aggressively to meet, to meet these goals. They're invested in so aggressively, they have too much risk involved. So the opposite of what they want to happen is now happening. You invested aggressively to grow your money so you can be able to do all these things in your retirement, but you're invested the wrong way at the wrong time to do that, where if you had a plan put together, or if you have a plan, Sometimes people think, well, it's too late for me. It's not too late. You can put together this plan whenever you want to. And I don't care if you're 80 years old, 85 years old. There's still time, like with you, Kevin, on the estate planning side, it's never too late to put together that estate plan. It's never too late to have a financial plan that addresses what you want to do and even addresses that estate plan that you put together. Those things can work hand in hand with each other, and people do this all the time. But this is important that you understand these concepts 
of, no, there's no free lunch. There's no perfect investment. Something costs you somewhere to do things, but it's having the different investments put together to put together a really good plan for you. I can't say the perfect plan. I don't think anybody's ever put together a perfect plan because a lot of times you don't know what what things might happen. You plan for things to happen. You address whatever you can in the retirement plan to make sure you're addressing long-term care, death, death of a spouse, things like that. But overall, the plan should address that. Things do happen, so you have to tweak the plan here and there. But at least you have this roadmap in place, and it's going to help you down the line. And Kevin, this is something that we help people do. We like to give you good information. We don't mind meeting with people. We enjoy doing that. If you want to come in and talk to us, our number is 888-371-2847. We'll just have a discussion. Nobody's going to charge you. We're not going to make you pay for having this discussion and getting this information. Investment advisory services are offered through Anderson Advisors, a registered investment advisory firm. Anderson Advisors is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investments involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Any reference to protection, safety, and lifetime income generally refers to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the strength and paying capabilities of the insurance carrier. This show is intended for informational and educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. You should consult with a financial advisor to help determine the best options for your particular circumstances. No statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not endorsed by the United States government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions construed herein presented by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable. Completeness cannot be guaranteed. Neither Gary Anderson or Anderson Advisors is affiliated with attorney J. Kevin Tharp or any guests on this show. Mm-hmm.